It's the night of the trade deadline, and I want to thank Kyle Dubas for his activity over the last few days because otherwise we would probably be talking about that game that the Leafs just lost to the Habs, <laughs> and I have spent about as much time with that tonight as I would like to. Yeah, burn the tape. <laughs> I actually had a strong urge to shut the game off when uh, both centermen were thrown out of the opening face-off, like a strong urge. <laughs> and I don't know why I didn't follow it, um, but Toronto Falls 4-2 to Montreal, just an ugly game all around. Yeah, yeah that was, was about as bad as the Leafs are going to play right there, I think. They looked like a team that was waiting on uh, a bunch of new acquisitions. It, it looked like... Um, they were running into a team playing David Ayer's defense again for some reason. Like they just couldn't like do anything past, you know, three feet within the blue line, it seemed for a large chunk of the game. But Hey, um, and that's the recipe for Montreal to beat Toronto. And we've seen them play the Leafs tough all season long. Montreal's not going to be an easy out. No, but that's a game right there where William Nylander was really missed. Like they didn't yeah. like his his ability to, to kind of carry the puck through the neutral zone and create a bit of space and back the defense off. They just didn't have that tonight. And that that was a that was noticeable him not being in the lineup tonight. Yeah, yeah, it felt like everything was out of sync. They weren't you know hitting those lanes at the right time. They were all kind of breaking out in short spaces, not really doing full regroups and stuff. It was just a sloppy game all around. It basically felt like a sixty minute power play, is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Um, so, you know, it was obviously kind of a an emotional up and down probably for the team the last little while as you kind of are following along with the news and the trade deadline and, and um, you know, Leafs are loading up. So, I mean, not that that's an excuse for the performance, but um, hopefully better things to come. It's an like, excuse for us to not talk about that game. <laughs> yeah, uh, we'll let him get away with that stinker and uh, hopefully it's better next time around. But um obviously lots of trade talk to get into starting with Nick Foligno who of course I went on record last episode saying I didn't really care to to acquire um <laughs> but he he's the the big move for the Leafs the 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 forward help that um you know the top 9 help that the team was expected to be looking for um Foligno comes to the Leafs at the cost of a first round pick as well as a couple of fourths and they get uh, Stefan Nason in the uh, exchange as well. And that, that included the Sharks, who, who took on uh, some of the caps. So some retained salary there for San Jose and Leafs pay for that as well. So um, obviously Felino's the, the, the big ticket here for, for Toronto. And um, I mean, after, I guess, seeing how he performed against the Leafs in the most recent uh, bubble playoffs or whatever you want to call that play in round um i mean that's that's a guy that pretty much pissed every single one of us off within five minutes so that's a good thing um there there are a couple of discussions to be had here one is the fit you know for the player and, and with the team and we'll get into that the other one is the the cost and um you know first and, and two fourths and we talked a lot about taylor hall and and you know if if the the cost was as low as it sounded like that you know he should be the guy that the Leafs should get and the cost was low and, and it sounds like the Leafs opted for um, Nick Felino instead so uh, I mean wh- how do you guys feel about the, the price paid um, I mean I, I feel like 
first round pick gets thrown around a lot as kind of a a blanket thing when you know you, you have to acknowledge where that pick is going to be right and uh, the, the hope for the Leafs is not going to be very high. Well, I read uh, a great article earlier today uh, by Katya over at I think Pension Plan Puppets. She was kind of talking about which one of these trade deadline deals has been the outlier. And you look at what Tampa paid to get David Savard. You look at what the Islanders paid to get Kyle Palmieri and Travis Zajac. And you look at what the Leafs gave up to get Nick Foligno. And then you look at what Boston had to pay to get Taylor Hall. That is the outlier here. The Leafs didn't pay above market price for a player like Nick Foligno. The Bruins paid below market because Hall had a say in where he wanted to go. It's been reported that he was really interested in going somewhere that he had a chance to sign an extension and, you know, kind of find some stability in his career after a rough couple of seasons. So I don't think it's fair to judge the the price on Felino or any of the other deals on the Hall deal because it is just a really strange set of circumstances. Yeah, it's a good point. He said, in, I think, in his, in his availability that his no-move clause – helped him become a Bruin. So I don't I don't know if it was necessarily him going to them saying I'm only gonna wave to be a Bruin because you've heard like Bob McKenzie and, and Chris Johnson say, you know, if Toronto wanted Taylor Hall, they could have had him kind of thing. So maybe Toronto was on the list too. But but I mean even still if 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 Buffalo was kind of handcuffed a little bit and obviously there's something to like you said, you know, the, the going rate for for the forward acquisition at the the deadline this year seemed to be the first. So Either his values come down a lot, which maybe it has, um, but also I think, like you said, him, him being able to dictate where he was going is, is a huge factor in this. And I think what you said off the top, Cam, it, it's important to look at the Felino acquisition as as two different kind of – giving it two different grades, the, the player and, and the acquisition cost. I think the, the acquisition cost is good, not great. Like it, it's not a bargain by any means, but I think the player – is somebody that I'm excited for. Like I, I saw a lot of reaction when the trade went down and I, I think I tweeted this, but it was like, you know, a lot of every Leafs fan basically saying, oh, fuck Nick, Nick Foligno. I hate Nick Foligno. And I was like, yeah, that's the whole point of this trade. Like that's exactly why we acquired him. He's frustrating to play against. He doesn't give up anything defensively. He's not going to score that much or, you know, I mean, he could, but he's not, he's not going to bring you a ton of offensive value, but he's, annoying to play against he's physical he's extremely good defensively like elite defensively and it's just something that the Leafs don't necessarily have a lot of right now and I, I love the acquisition I the price is what it is it's not necessarily great but it's not horrible either well Cam you made another good point about the Leafs getting a good look at, at just what Felino is capable of doing in a playoff series last year right and then Keith, you alluded to it as well. He's the kind of guy that you absolutely hate to play against, but now that he's on your side, you're going to love him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, I, I like the acquisition, generally speaking. Like, on the price, um, I, I guess, like, the way I've kind of retconned it in my head a little bit now that the deal is done and Hall's a Bruin and Felino's a Leaf, the, the way I'm kind of looking at it is almost like, um, you know, I, I do think that, that Hall could have been a good fit. Um you know, he, he, like we said, he kind of crashes and bangs more than maybe people give him credit for. Like he, he 
could have fit in. But I, thinking about it now, it's like maybe he almost takes you back to a little bit of that run and gun game that you are trying to get away from from the last few seasons. And, you know, he doesn't have the defensive impact that Felino does. So it, it gets to a point like price wise where obviously you want to get like good value on your deals. However, um, that's, you know, key when you're building up. Uh, when you get to a point where you're in a window and you need to win, um, like if you have a guy that you, you feel you need, like maybe you have to overpay a little bit, but the alternative is, you know, letting him go and then wondering what if, if you, you know, bow out again early and, and, you know, you're, you're that much, you know, you're one year closer to maybe some of your key guys walking away. Right. So it's, it's a different kind of need right now when it comes to the price. And like, I guess one of like the, you know, you look at like the Goodrow deal, the Barclay Goodrow or like the, um, you know, the Blake Coleman deal and, like there have been some comparisons there and I feel like um, my only quibble there, I think, is feels like, you know, those guys are, you know, the the, the results are there. They're in their kind of prime, like maybe not quite the name brand, whereas Felino, I feel like you're paying for a little bit of the name brand, but like the defensive results are still really, really, really good. And that's what you're looking for on top of the leadership and the physicality and everything else. So I, I, I don't feel like you're going to look back and regret it especially you know it's like a 27th overall pick or whatever it ends up being right well, another thing i think is important to note is that felino also had say over where he went and it's been reported that there were multiple teams that were willing to to give up a first round pick for felino's services i think uh, the avalanche and hurricanes were vegas real- was in there too i think i don't know how the hell vegas would have been able to pull that off <laughs> yeah. but uh, and Felino made it clear that Toronto was a place that he was interested in going. Uh, Yarmo Kekline and the general manager there uh, showed a, a great deal of respect for Felino and, and you know told him he wasn't going to do anything that Felino didn't approve of. And I, I think that that's another part of the acquisition cost here was that the market was a little hotter for a guy like Felino than it seems to be for for Hall. We just saw Hall was forced to take a one-year deal with fucking Buffalo this offseason, right? Yeah. Like, it's not as if this is the, the first time that there haven't been a pile of suitors for Taylor Hall. And he's clearly a very talented player, but it, it seems like there's some kind of pattern developing there where his, his reputation is has definitely gone down the drain for whatever reason in recent years. Also, Felino, there's a, the, the cap hit. I mean, Felino makes $5 million, He doesn't make eight, And then you get the, the, at least yeah. get the double retention on it. And that, that factors into the acquisition cost too. So there's, you know, just looking at the two players in a, in a vacuum isn't necessarily the best way to evaluate this. And yeah, I think like there's been some head scratching moves and signings and trades with Taylor Hall where – it leads you to kind of go with the whole, you know, if there's smoke, there's fire kind of thing. And then obviously we have no idea what's going on in locker rooms and what people think of him. but there's been some weird transactions around him in his career. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So in terms of how Felino fits in with this roster, I mean, I think, you know, it's, it's obvious what you're looking for from him. Um, kind of, you know, a lot of, I guess what you're, what you were looking for from some of the other veterans you brought in specifically like Wayne Simmons, um, just more physicality. Um, but also like you want him to contribute. I think, I think a little more in terms of like a regular role you want him out there. Um, 
you know, playing against probably some of the um, some of the, the tougher opponents that you're going to run into in the playoffs as well. Yeah, and and, and this before you know, I'll, I'll be a little bit uh, skeptical or negative off the bat before we we get you know into the positive stuff, but like. And I might be alone in this thought, but I know I said this to you guys last year with Clifford and I'm noticing it with Simmons too. And I don't know what it is, but they, these guys that are brought in to play this role, they have to bring it every shift. Like I, I didn't notice a lot of physicality out of Clifford last year in the bubble. I, I feel like Simmons has become less and less effective with that kind of stuff since, and, and I get that he's injured and he's not necessarily going to bite with a broken wrist or a healed healing wrist, but and even Bogosian, who's played well, I don't see that kind of like nastiness out of them. And and I feel like that's what they were brought in for, to play with an edge, to play with some jam. And I know they're doing it, but I just would like to maybe see it a little bit more, you know, obviously. Like I want to see them jaw with guys after the whistle and, you know, and, and just, just, just causing a ruckus. And, and you know, and, I, and I'm not saying that Felino is a goon that's coming in and that's his only job because he's like I said before he's a great defensive forward but I, I just really hope that these guys that are brought in to to do this kind of filling around the margins of with our skill talent to, with with the kind of the tough to play against and the being a bit of an asshole on the ice thing um, I'm hoping that that's you know up a, a very upfront part of the game now that being said I think that shit's over, overrated a lot, but I, I still want to see it. Um, but in terms of where he fits in, we we talked about this quite a bit even before we went live here. There, there's really a lot of different spots that you could slot Felino in, and I think that that adds to his value obviously quite a bit because he could be he, he can play center, he can play the wing, you can play him up and down the lineup. Is he going to get a look with Tavares and and Nylander to see what he can do in kind of like a Hyman type role with them? Is he going to be uh, looked at as a third line center? Is he going to look at a third line left wing? I think he could be impactful and find a role in all of those lines. And I think we've seen Keith has definitely not been shy to mix lines up and try different things, even in game. So I think it's way too early to really kind of get a, a full read on where he's going to be used. But I think I can find a role for him pretty much on every line. Um, what do you guys think? I think you made a great point in there, Keith. Um, and last week we had our, our buddy Jake here joining us when you couldn't be on the show with us. And he kind of alluded to what you were getting at there about how those guys have been brought in, the, the Simmonses, the Bogosians, and so on to kind of add that physicality and that grit and stuff like that, but they're doing so from lower in the lineup. Yeah. And most of that element on this team has been focused on players that play lesser roles and acquiring a guy like Felino brings a bit more of that spark plug sort of energy to with someone who's capable of playing higher in the lineup and playing heavier minutes uh, and alongside more talented players for longer stretches in a game rather than, you know, we've seen Simmons, like you said, you know, get thrown up for a shift in the middle of a game or Spezza take a a shift alongside the big guys. And earlier in the season, Hyman would get a look when Thornton needed a rest. I think, like you said, again, it's, it is too early to to really say for sure where Felino is going to fit in because of how versatile he is. He's a guy that can play, basically every forward position and he can contribute on almost any line that Sheldon Keefe decides to put him on. So uh, I think Galchenyuk has looked good in his, you know, stint in the top six with the Leafs so far. 
We know what Zach Hyman is capable of. And I, I think it's going to be a bit of a, a test run to just kind of find where the best fit is for Felino in this lineup. Yeah, I think he fits in nicely as a guy who, who's, you know, his role is pretty much going to be the same wherever he plays in the lineup, right? And, you know, I, I think that, like, this is a team that um, will do a good job of kind of supporting a player like that, right? Like, um, they, they play such a strong, like, support game. Um, you know, you're never, never going to really have to rely on Felino to, to carry the puck, Um you know, it's it's going to be like he's going to be kind of the third guy out there to to muck it up, forecheck, play tough. Like he he's got some puck skills, you know, when when he needs to. But um, you know, it, his role is going to be very clear regardless of who he's out there with, right? So I, I think um, it's a really nice pickup from that point of view, and I I, I feel like um, I, I love the nostalgia piece to it too a little bit like just the, the whole <laughs> yeah. you know like he grew up his dad was on the 93 leafs like that's that's cool gets to wear the same number that is old no, man yeah. we're that. all suckers for that yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. great um well the second i hear a guy talk about how he dreamed of playing for the leafs as a kid or anything like that you know i'm all in yeah yeah um i mean i i it's a little surreal, isn't it? Like, I don't know if you guys were like this, but for me growing up, it was always like, you know, who are the good Toronto boys who are going to come home eventually, right? Like, and it's always these stars and it never happened when we were younger. And now it's like, you look at the cast of guys who, you know, are playing for the Leafs as vets and uh, it's, it's great. Like if I um, would love to have a time machine and tell myself, you know, Leafs acquire Nash from Columbus <laughs> to join to join Spezza, Thornton, Simmons, and uh, I don't even know who else I'm missing. No, just uh, I think again we've talked a lot about finding the right fit for players in this lineup, and I, I think that's what really drove this acquisition of Felino is that he fills uh, a very specific set of needs that Dubas and the rest of his staff have identified. And uh, that's what, why they, they made the move that they did. They got out in front of it a day before the deadline. They went and got the guy that was that seems to be their top target. Cam, you made a good point. Maybe you should bring it up about how they didn't necessarily address the third line center, but by bringing in a support winger for the existing third line center, yeah. kind of through proxy did. I mean, I guess, yeah, like, you know, Kerfoot was kind of the... Um, the guy I was wondering about, like, are you going to try to upgrade there? Like, I think that he's a perfectly serviceable piece. I, I don't think you want to pay him quite as much as, you know, you are. I think that, um, you know, he, he's, he's solid, but, um, you know, would you, would you try to upgrade there? And like, now you've got Felino, which kind of gives you the, um, you know, if you, if you want to roll that third line as like a shutdown type of line, like you can use Felino or Hyman on that left side, whoever kind of fits the best, you know, based on the situation. But, um, you know, I think that the, the larger point is that like, once you get to the playoffs, like your first line is probably going to be like your, your shutdown line. So like, I, I think that what especially the, on the road, right. And I think yeah. that what the Leafs really have going for them here, like is, and I kind of wanted to get into this, um, you know, around Galchenyuk too, because, you know, we obviously saw the, the chemistry with Tavares and Nylander. He went up, on the top line with Matthews and Marner for a little bit. He fit in nicely there. I think that they've got a lot of guys who can just mix and match well. Like I, I don't think that um, you're, you're really handcuffed with this lineup in, in very many ways. I, I think that, you know, guys can kind of move up and down and, and 
play whatever roles you, you want and, and you know you've got good options to kind of slot in with like your skilled pairs like you've got Matthews and Marner are going to draw all the attention but I mean that's a line that I, I think I mean I, I really like Matthews game tonight like he, he's he's just all over the place and um, I mean that that's your number one shutdown center right there like that's that's the guy you need to be going so I, I just like that they have a lot of guys that can kind of they can just mix and match and um i just pretty much like whatever combo is is going out there in the top nine right now one final thing kind of to wrap up the felino acquisition as you mentioned galchenyuk there i thought it was a really strong endorsement of the way that alex galchenyuk has taken advantage of this opportunity with the leafs that uh, in his post deadline kind of media availability kyle dubas explicitly said that you know, the way that Galchenyuk has played since joining the Leafs lineup sort of altered their plans ahead of the deadline and allowed them to focus on different areas of need than they may have initially been focused on. So that that would lead me to to believe that maybe they did have a little more interest in a guy like Hall before Galchenyuk came in and showed that he could kind of fill that role. It maybe even have been just a body count thing too. Like maybe he was thinking, I need two forwards and then all of a sudden he had his forward, you know, months, you know, a month or two before yeah, the deadline too, point. right? Even if it's not necessarily like a fit thing um, where he, you know, he, he's now the kind of top six winger that, that, uh, that they might've been looking for, uh, you know, and, and maybe they needed to. So, yeah, I think that's a good point. Um, I think, you know, I think we're going to, we're going to grade kind of the, the acquisitions, uh, you know, and I, I do think it's important to look at it as just in season acquisitions or recent acquisitions. Cause I think, like you just said, Nick, he's very much a part of what they did, you know, going into the deadline and and then shaped how they approached the deadline. So it's, I think it's important to factor Galchenyuk in when you're looking at kind of the, what they hauled in lately. Um, Also a part of that deal, Stefan Nason coming in and like, that's, I mean, we won't spend really any time with him, just a depth piece, but I kind of like the, the pickup. Like he's, I think he's got some speed and like, he's just kind of a grinder, depth type of piece that you know if um just to get push comes to shove yeah solid underlying numbers yeah you can throw them out there and um if you're dealing with injuries or or whatever so um i I don't mind that in terms of a depth guy yeah man if if the calculator cowboy was going to pick up a depth piece in a trade you knew they were going to have good underlying numbers (laughs) (laughs) um the uh uh, other big move, the, both of these coming down on Sunday before the deadline, um, David Riddick acquired by the Leafs a little bit more goaltending depth, and we weren't necessarily sure if that would happen or not. But I think that this makes, you know, it, it makes sense considering the situation with Fred Anderson, obviously, where he's on the sideline and, you know, Dubas was kind of um, noncommittal about whether we'd see him again. They seem to hope that he'll be back for the regular season. It doesn't sound like it's a, it's a shutdown LTIR situation until the playoffs, but um, I, I mean, we'll see what happens there, certainly. But I think that especially when you consider that Campbell's also dealing with an injury, it, it makes a lot of sense to go out and get a guy who you know could come in and pinch hit uh, who's not Michael Hutchinson. Yeah, and, and it's not even that yeah, he's definitely, you know, Campbell's definitely nursing an injury and, and recovering from an injury, but he's also just never played this type of workload before, too. So, just getting keeping him rested and sharp, you know, is is important. And yeah, obviously the fact that it's not Michael Hutchison, who I mean, full credit to Hutch, he hasn't been nearly as bad as last year. Um, he's had a couple stinkers, but 
all in all for you know what what should have been your fourth string goalie going into the year with Aaron Dell being being acquired early I think he's been fine but I, I'm a big fan of the Riddick trade I woke up to that this morning and and you know that's it's indicative of where where Freddie's at I think we were all kind of wondering you know is Freddie coming back anytime soon I don't think it's going to be anytime soon you're not spending a third not that it, you know like Nick you, you mentioned in your piece a third's not a lot but it's definitely not nothing and I, I think that that's you know paints enough of a picture for us to know that Freddie's not coming back in the next you know couple of weeks at least. Well, I, I think even j- just with uh, all of the salary on the roster after the acquisition of Riddick and, and Felino, it's going to be really difficult for the Leafs to bring Anderson back onto the roster before the playoffs. They'll they do have to clear some salary in order to do so. And I don't see them waving a guy like Riddick, who they just paid a third round pick to acquire. I would lean more on the side of he's a guy they want to get a look at for next before year. going into the off season yeah. and you know looking for a tandem option with Campbell. I mean, we're getting a bit ahead of ourselves there, but I just think the deal further signifies that you know these Leafs are entirely all in. They have pushed all of their chips to the middle this year. They've Dubas went out and addressed basically every area of need on the roster, at least to some extent. That he wasn't going to get caught shorthanded anywhere. They've got multiple bodies at each position that can step in in case of injury. Now, if it gets into a next man up situation, they've got plenty of guys to to take those spots. Did you see Dubas? I think he was on overdrive. He said that. Uh, Riddick, he, he believes Riddick is traveling with the Flames to, to Toronto for the game. <laughs> oh, uh, man. It, it sounds That's like he might fun. play, so um, I, I, I don't... I would think he would, but uh, I guess... No, go ahead. Yeah, I don't know. Second end of a back-to-back, you might just toss him out there against the Flames and say, have at it. Um, I don't know if I want to watch another fucking Flames game this year, so I, I, you guys might have to tell me what happened um, because <laughs> they've just been so painful. Like... Every single time, it's fifty-five minutes of just trash, and the Leafs pop a couple and win it. And it's like I could have saved myself. I knew I knew how this was going to go. <laughs> Got to trust my gut more, man. Um, but yeah, like I, I, you know, he's he's fine. Like depth, I think. Like it's um, like I say, the the injury situation kind of forces your hand a little bit. And, and yeah, it's, I think it is nice to kind of get a look at a guy in your system when you you know are most likely going to be goalie hunting for a tandem partner in the off season right yeah now you get like you say now you get an extended look at him to see if he's your guy for next year or not yeah um the other move that will have probably an impact in the lineup i mean dubas was busy made several trades but um you know those were kind of the two big ones now riley nash is another one that is interesting to me um another depth piece but a guy who a lot of people were clamoring for back when he was unrestricted i think maybe two years ago um I felt like he kind of got overpaid at the time, and I was glad that the Leafs didn't end up snapping him up. And now they they use the financial muscle; they get him on, um, you know, after he's gone down with an injury, he's on LTIR. He's probably going to miss the rest of the season, and then he's going to be a, basically a free player for you in the in the playoffs with no cap. And all you paid was a conditional seventh; that might be a, a sixth. So, um, you know, if he if he becomes a playoff guy for you, which I, I think he will, like. He's got some crazy defensive impact numbers. Um, it seems like a perfect fourth line center. Yeah, I think he was absolutely acquired with a purpose, and uh, the Leafs have every intention of inserting him into the lineup once he's healthy. 
I just think he, he's just another one of those players that kind of screams playoff hockey. We've seen him match up against the Leafs multiple times now in, in elimination situations. Yeah. Where he was with the Bruins for a couple of years, drove us crazy then. He was with Columbus last year when the the entire Blue Jackets team just frustrated all of us to no end. I, I think that he's just a perfect fit on that fourth line playing the middle. You can kind of kick Spets over to the wing and not have to rely on him in the middle. They've mostly been using him on the wing anyways. Uh, I, I'm curious, you guys think that Nash is you know a, a sure thing in game one if he's healthy? I was just about to actually bring that up. I don't know if it's game one. Just because if that's his first game with the lease, is that... Is that really where you want to bring him in for the first time? But then I guess what's the difference between game one and game two? They're both they're both super. Yeah, they're both super important. Right? Yeah, exactly. And I think yeah. yeah, I mean, it's just a matter of him replacing Engvall, right? Like that's essentially what he's being brought in to do. Um, I mean, I I don't know. That's a really good question. I I can see the argument for either or of just you know not wanting his first game to be game one, but. Yeah, maybe you don't want to wait either, but I, I think... Well, and, and if Anderson's on LTIR for the year, which, judging by all of the other moves the Leafs made, I, it would lead me to believe that we're not going to see Fred until the playoffs. I believe that they still have enough space to activate Nash ahead of the playoffs if it turns out that he is, you know... Healthy. His recovery goes a little faster and he's healthy a week or a week and a half before playoffs. Yeah, ideally you get him into a couple games at the end of the year. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I feel like if Engvall's your fourth center for game one, Nash is your fourth center for game two. <laughs> Regardless. <laughs> like, I, that yeah, guy... So just get it out of the way. Just concerns me. Like, I, I, I get that, like, he's, you know, uh, he's kind of found gold and, like, he's, he's you know, been solid, but... I, I just when the game tightens up, Engvall, it's like he just his handle is not tight at all. And like even in that game against no. the Habs, it's like he gets into a kind of a small space where people start to kind of close on him and take away. Like he just can't handle it. He can't, he can't beat a guy one on one. Like he just he can't even retain the puck. Can't play through traffic whatsoever. Yeah, and I know this is stupid and not necessarily <laughs> meaningful at all, but he just doesn't look like he knows what the hell he's doing either. Like he just like there's there's just a thousand yard stare and just kind of nothing going on between the, the you know between the ears, which is completely unfair to him. He's a fucking professional athlete, but <laughs> you know I I would just much rather somebody who actually looks like they're fucking hustling out there. I don't know, and it's just something about the puck him. gets slapped off a stick, and it's like he he's so rangy and like he's usually already moving at a good clip, so he can kind of like get there and recover at half the time, or at least turn it into a battle. But it's like it's just going to tighten up in the playoffs, and it just. I, I feel like he's going to, you know, create three odd man rushes in the first period of game one. And like, that's it. Good night. Yeah. Engvall. Uh, um, I think he's been a noticeable problem in defensive zone coverage. I know my buddy at the Leafs nation, Nick D'Souza is going to hate me for this. I've been kind of hounding him about Engvall for weeks now. I just, I don't see it with him at all. He's like a non-factor all too often. Once every three or four games, you'll see him make a mad dash to the neutral zone with the puck on his stick and he dumps it in and goes for a change. And I I just, I don't see a whole lot else from him. And I, I think for a guy that you're going to be playing in the fourth line center role, you want someone who's a lot more capable and aware in the defensive zone when they, you know, inevitably get stuck out there against the other team's best line at some point. Yeah. And that's the thing I can live with 
you know, carrying it across the red line and dumping it in and going for a change if you are, you know, a plus defender in the defensive zone. But if 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 you're not bringing it either way, then yeah, that that's clearly a problem. Yeah. Um so so I mean obviously yeah some depth moves to try to address that and yeah I'm I'm excited to see what Riley Nash brings when he when he returns like he he's obviously going to be like a footnote until he he gets back you know people are going to kind of forget that this even happened possibly until um you know it's time and you know he he could be a real um piece for for a playoff team so it's uh, certainly got me excited um a couple of other depth moves that the Leafs made um on defense, they moved to pick up uh, Ben Hutton from Anaheim, a fifth-round selection in 2022 going the other way. Um, depth guy who's been playing a fair number of minutes, I think, for, for Anaheim. And I don't think he's been great this yeah, like season. 18 or something. Yeah. So yeah. I don't think he's been great this season. But, um, you know, he's, he's had good results in the past. I think he had really good results last season. And I don't know how when many When he was with minutes. Los Angeles, he had great underlying numbers. Yeah. Yeah. And I liked him when I, you know, I obviously got to see him a lot more when he was in Vancouver. Like I, I would watch the Canucks quite a bit and, and, you know, he, I thought that he was pretty solid. Um, but yeah, kind of fell off my radar. Well, apparently the Leafs have liked him for a while too, because uh, Dubas said he was someone that they were interested in, uh, in the 2019 off season, I think. But yeah, just a, a, another case of Dubas just shoring up the depth at a position yeah. where y- you want to have someone ready when when the time calls for it if uh, the Leafs have been very fortunate on the blue line this year in terms of injuries um, w- we saw what can happen in the playoffs last year I think the Leafs are a lot better equipped to handle one of their top guys going down than they were last year but just Hutton gives another option to step in if needed in case of injury yeah good penalty killer yeah, I mean right now Right now, you were an injury away from either, you know, a young guy like Sandine with not a lot of experience who hasn't played in, you know, he's played a handful of games in the last fucking year, or Marincin, right? Like, it, you, there wasn't a lot of yeah. options past who you had in, in, in the top six right now. Um, yeah, I think it's just a, a smart trade. You might He maybe plays two games for the Leafs, but just the insurance of having him there is, is huge. Yeah, I like it. Um I think, um, you know, you want to have like nine or 10 guys on the blue line that can play NHL minutes going in. Right. And, you know, this is a guy who like, even if his like numbers are not so hot, um, you know, this season, like he's playing big minutes for a bad team. Like you, you, you're only looking at him for, for depth. Right. So it's, um, interesting pickup and, and kind of maybe a Lawrence Gilman connection there too. Right. With, uh, the, the Canucks. So, Mm -hmm. And another depth uh, piece or, or depth move, I guess, the, the Leafs trading Alexander Barabanov, uh, who, you know, we hardly knew ye. Um, <laughs> is that Dubas is do, like doing right by his Russian sign, yeah, signs again? You're not going to play here, so I'll get you on a team that, that you get to play and hopefully get a contract next year kind of thing? Yeah, practically the same thing as what they did with Letton. And I yeah. think, you know, gave them some opportunities to try and earn a spot in the Leafs lineup. Uh, the Leafs are a really good team. Uh, they wanted to go out and shore up those depth portions of their lineup with more established players, guys that have done it before. Uh, I think it was just another case of Dubas doing right by a player and trying to provide him with a better opportunity to catch on with an NHL team. And the Leafs get uh, Antti Suomela in return from San Jose, who I assume will be very jealous of how large Ben Hutton's role is with the Leafs <laughs> uh, comparatively. <laughs> um, 
So, I mean, that that pretty much, you know, wraps up for um, the Leafs moves. Um, overall, how do we feel? Like, I, I, I guess that here's the point that I want to make about this. Like, obviously, you know, the Leafs made a lot of moves. I think they addressed most of their areas of need. You know, you could kind of quibble about like the the. The, if you know if you're a Hall guy or if you're like a Jaden Schwartz guy or whatever, like maybe Nick Foligno's not your not your bag, but um, I, I think that he fits a pretty solid role on this team. I think that like he's um, like like we've been saying, you know, bring something that you know they don't have a whole lot of, right? And and I think that um, above and beyond just what the Leafs did, this was a huge win of a trade deadline for them based on what the rest of Canada did, which is yeah. jack shit. Yeah. Dmitry yeah. Kulikov. Yeah. <laughs> Dmitry no, Kulikov. That's a great point. The, the Leafs are already the best team in the division. They're the only ones that did anything to make themselves oh, no, significantly yeah. better. Yeah. 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 They're the only team that is tangibly better today than they were 48 hours ago. And I think that's like the... The overwhelming point here is that bottom line, Kyle Dubas made the Leafs better than they were yesterday. And the point that, you know, I made with Jake last episode, it just kind of rings even more true now, right? Like you got to win two rounds this year. And it's more clear than ever after the deadline that, you know, um, whether whether the the deals just didn't materialize for other teams or, or whether they really did kind of look at it and say do we really want to spend uh to go up against the Leafs and get crushed or whatever like whatever their mindset was they didn't you know try to try to make a push here Holland pretty much said that right like there's years that you go all in and there's years you don't yeah, I mean, uh, that not necessarily was was talking about the Leafs there, but he was definitely saying, I don't think we have the team to go all in this year when I look around. So, you know, the writing, writing was kind of there for that one. Which is awesome for yeah. <laughs> a team with two of the best players on the planet. It's just time is not right. So, um, But now there's not really any more excuses, right? Exactly. Like, I, I think that if, again, you can quibble over Hall, Felino, Schwartz, what have you, but I think that if this group, for whatever reason, isn't able to have you know some amount of playoff success, I don't think that it can be held against Kyle Dubas at this point. I think he has used almost all of the tools at his disposal to help this team load up and try to maximize their chances at a, at a deep playoff run. Yeah, and he did it without subtracting from the prospect pool whatsoever. The big, all the talk leading into the deadline for the last couple of weeks was that Dubas was going to ship out a Nick Robertson or a Rasmus Sandin or even a Rodion Amirov for uh, a rental forward. And it didn't come to that. I, I think another thing we touched on with Jake last week, is in terms of what the Leafs gave up, yeah, they gave up a lot of future draft pick capital, but they maintained everyone that's in their current prospect pipeline. Players that are far more likely to factor into the Leafs' plans while this current window is still open than anyone they were going to draft with a late first-round pick this year or any of the thirds or fourths especially. And even just to look at Dubas's kind of work, just even in a bigger picture, like three or four years ago, we were hearing how he wasn't going to be able to sign just the core kind of big four forwards. Like, no way he's going to fit them in and ice a team. So imagine saying... Not only is he going to do that, but he's also going to add TJ Brody, Jake Muzzin, Nick Foligno, 
fucking, you know, a, a, a backup goalie who ends up becoming the starting goalie and not subtract any of the core, not only the four forwards, but, you know, you didn't lose Riley, you didn't lose Fred, you didn't, like, he, what he has accomplished. He didn't lose anything off the roster. Nothing. Another That's not even make, one yeah. roster player's gone, and, and, and this is what he's put forward. And, and then also, you know, the, the kind of depth around, like, Simmons and Thornton and Spezza and stuff like that, too. So it's... It, it, it's honestly like I, I don't know how you can grade him anything less than I, I, again you got to win, but at some point it's not in the GM's hands to to actually perform on the ice. You know his job is to put the team there, and I don't know what you know what he could do any better than what he's done. Um, outside of maybe the creativity that this yeah, the, management exactly, group yeah. has shown to you know address all these needs that we've we've seen them do a lot of unique things that we don't see from a lot of other NHL front offices. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but prior to last year, I don't recall ever seeing a team jump in as the third team in a deal to retain cap space and, and acquire an asset. Like we've seen so many times at this trade deadline. A- a- am I wrong in saying that the, the Leafs were the first to do that last year in the Leonard trade to Vegas? I, th- I, I don't, I think it's happened before, but I, I don't, I can't. I couldn't tell you like for sure off the top of my head. I feel like we would have heard if it was the first time, but I, I don't. I don't know. It's a good question. Either way, I, I think that we've seen that Dubis. That's uh, the type of shit we're going to expect. Like that we've come to expect from them. Those creativity around the salary cap. Yeah, and a lot of that is uh, Brandon Pridham. Dubis gave him a ton of credit oh, of today. Yeah, uh, you know, talking about he can't imagine doing the job without him. So Brandon Pridham deserves a lot of credit for helping build this roster as well. Uh, just, you know, finding all those creative ways to maneuver around the salary cap limitations that th- this team is going to have, you know, for the foreseeable future every year. Yeah. And that's kind of the, like, you know, I, I feel like, um, at a much more like macro scale with, with this guy, with Dubas, like we wouldn't even be doing this podcast if Kyle Dubas weren't the GM of the Maple Leafs, <laughs> I don't think, because like, it's called lamenting the Leafs for a reason. And like, we would be so fucking miserable if we were still under like the old regime, we just wouldn't be able to do it. And it's nice to have a, a management group that, you know, you hear the deal and it's like, Ooh, like that's, that's interesting. I want to read more about that. What does that mean? And you know, like when they did the, what was it? The Jared Cowan thing. And it's like, Oh, they can, actually add cap space by buying this guy out and it's like they just you have to read about you know all of the implications of the thing they just Dave did Poulin's not running your salary cap anymore. <laughs> as, <laughs> as opposed to just expecting that on trade deadline day it's going to be like oh the leafs traded a fourth round pick for nick delorier and that's it yeah and that's and, and it's just such a nice second feeling. round pick for brett ritchie yeah yeah so it's um it's it's a good feeling overall, and it's you know like kind of what I said earlier about um, your window. Uh, you know, you have this array of studs, and you hear Ken Holland say, you know, there's just some years you can't go for it, and it's like, I mean, he inherited that situation, so that's a, a different thing entirely. But it's like, what a shame when you have a, a player in their prime like that, and you say that you can't go for it. So it's just it's really nice that the Leafs are loaded up here and recognize like how, how strong this team is. Right. And like kind of to bring it back to like the, the game against the Habs here tonight, like the, the, the thing that I've noticed, I think with the Leafs and their play um, in, 
last like last year especially and like the, the past few seasons they've kind of been working up to it it's like the inconsistency of the effort was, was almost like the expectation yeah. right like you knew you were going to get the good stretches out of the Leafs but you also knew you're gonna get the roller coaster and now it's like a game against like against the Habs um, like tonight where even they lose and you know you you know they're playing like shit and it's like well maybe they just don't have it tonight but then once the engine kicks in it's like okay now we're in for a ride and like we're in this regardless of like what the score is right now and that's like a it's a whole feeling right like it's a, it's a yeah. different feeling i think as opposed to like you know a team where you're just kind of waiting for the bottom to fall out all the time it's like sometimes teams just don't have it yeah but even when the Leafs did have it, they were just still so up and down. And now it's like y- you kind of know a little bit more of what you're getting into each night. And it just it feels like a different team. And I know we've been saying that all year, but um, I feel great about the moves and just the the general kind of sense around the team right now. Like it, I'm ready to buckle up, boys. This is going to be an exciting yeah. couple of months. Well, well previous it, it, iter- previous iterations of this team go down two nothing to, to the Habs in the first period, you're, you know, I, I don't speak for you guys, but I'm firing up the Jays game at that point. You know what I mean? Like, but this now it's like, okay, yeah, uh, we've seen this before and, and they're not going to just start abandoning their style of play to try to, you know, scramble and, and, you know, and just kind of dig themselves further into a hole. They, they, you know, they got themselves back into the game and then, uh, you know, ultimately didn't work out for them. But if that's as bad as the Leafs are going to play, and that's like you said, I don't know if we were recording it or not, Nick, but that's kind of the recipe to beat the Leafs is what, what the Habs just did. But I don't, man, I would, I, I, I don't see that happening four times. I just don't. Not with this team, not with this version of the, of the Leafs. No. And as Cam said, we have been talking about it all year, how this just is a different team that has an entirely different feel. But I think it's really important that we've been talking about it all year because that means that it wasn't fleeting. It's something yeah. that they've been able to to sustain over the course of the entire season to this point at least. And I, I think that just speaks to them growing and figuring out some of that inconsistency that Cam was talking about. It's just a, the overall maturity of the group. And I, I don't think it's any coincidence that it's come with – the additions of players like Simmons and Thornton and now Felino is only going to add more to that players who are just are so respected around the league and just have been there before and have had success in the playoffs to varying degrees. I think if we're going to like, you know, credit people for this, this maturity level and this systematic buy-in and, and just the way they're playing, I think you got to start with Keith. Like, I, I think we really saw this, what we're seeing now in game 40, whatever of this season is kind of what we started to see at the end of last year. Like that, this, this is the, the final product of it. And, and obviously there was, you know, a lot of figuring it out and there was still some ups and downs, but you know, uh, at the end of last season and into the bubble, but I think, you know, with him having the, the team from the beginning of the season and having a, a training camp, even though it you know, there was no exhibition games, but he still had his training camp. I think this is where, what, you know, uh, ultimately has been kind of built. And, and this is kind of what the type of team that he was going for. I think it's obviously you're right, though. There, there's clearly some veteran leadership that's been brought in. But I think you're looking at the maturity of the core. And I think you're looking at a coach that was able to execute their vision. Well, like Keith kind of set the tone right from day one in camp this year. I think he was all business right from the outset. 
And, and I just yeah, it, didn't it, he bag skate them like early on. Yeah, it was all about details and all the emphasis yeah. was on being more difficult to play against, uh, raising the compete level, being more physical, ju- just overall being a tougher team and not necessarily in the sense of going out there and punching guys in the face, but just not backing down and withering when things get tough. And we've seen you know, time and time again this season, the, the Leafs don't have it, but they battle all night long and end up making it a close game even when they don't have it just because of that effort level that has been far more consistent than anything we've seen from this group in the past yeah so let's wrap this one up boys um trade grades how do we feel overall about the least deadline i mean i think that we're all pretty positive but let's uh let's put a letter grade on it uh keith why don't you start us off uh yeah so kind of what i i mentioned earlier i think it's important to look at this as kind of you know, a big picture of who he's brought in throughout the season, not just in the last 48 hours. But um, if we are going to look at just the last 48 hours, I'd probably give it, you know, in that B plus range. But I think if we're looking at, for adding Galchenyuk in, um, you know, uh, I'm, I'm giving him an A. Yeah, I, I think it's important to include Galchenyuk because as we alluded to earlier, the, the way he's played had a, a direct impact on the way the Leafs approached the deadline and what they saw as their primary needs. For me, I'm giving Dubas an A for the way he handled this trade deadline and the lead up to it. Uh, they were already the best team in the division. They got better. They're the only team in the division that made any significant additions. They didn't remove anything from the current roster. They've kept their entire prospect pipeline intact, so they will still have those cheap contributors on entry-level deals coming in the next couple of years. I, I just don't know what more Dubas could have done to set this team up for success. Again, you could quibble over Felino or Hall or Schwartz, but I think that Dubas and his staff have probably earned the benefit of the doubt. And if Felino's the guy that they saw as the best fit, uh, I have to trust that. Yeah. I, I think I'd probably come in around like a, like a B plus for the moves, uh, you know, generally speaking, like maybe it was a little bit of an overpay for Felino, but I, I like the move generally speaking, like brought in some good depth pieces. I think the Nash thing was a bit of creativity. So like I would say B plus and like what I said earlier with the fact that the rest of Canada did sweet fuck all. Uh, I'm just going to bump it up to an A minus. There you go. To be a little uh, off of you too. <laughs> and if they do the thing, I think we can all agree that the, those grades will get bumped up. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think it's, uh, and, and also, I mean, our, our good buddy, uh, Leo, who is a Flyers <laughs> fan and happens to hate, listen to every episode of this podcast and then text me all the reasons why we were wrong. Um, he is a noted not fan of Kyle Dubas and uh, he gave him a B plus to an A. So for grading in relative terms here, that's like a quadruple A plus a plus. plus, plus. <laughs> yeah. And from a teacher too. So yeah. that's <laughs> yeah. the red pen out on that one. <laughs> All right. Uh, so Leafs again have the, the flames, um, a game that I, I will not watch. I refuse to watch this team anymore. They were fucking awful to watch before they got Daryl Sutter. And now it's embarrassing. Um, 
So let's bring this one to a close with Cape Breton Rockers Slow Coaster. Uh, They've been around for over 20 years. A couple of the guys have a new group called Hauler, but Slow Coaster has been a staple for a long, long time. Uh, Really hard to classify them. Stoner Rock might be like a good catch-all term, but uh, their stuff has really been all over the place. Lots of reggae influence. Some of their more recent stuff is a little more kind of radio rock. And the new project, Hauler, is like a trad folk kind of thing. Uh, The one we're going to play for you is from their 2013 album, The Girls Downtown. And uh, if you've enjoyed the show, we'd love if you'd rate and review on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcasts. And you can follow us on Twitter at Lamenting Leafs. And we're on Instagram as well at Lamenting the Leafs. Uh, Here's Slow Coaster as the crow flies. You always wake up beautiful, you stay that way the whole day Ole, ole Everybody wants you, so you always get your own way Ole, ole I wait outside your door like a dog that needs a home A picture without a frame, okay Cause as the crow flies, so do I Upon a night, we wrap ourselves in the northern light as the crow flies. So do I. You hold me like you love me, you lose me like an extra key. Ole, ole. I'm a sucker for your breakfast, so order. Crow flies.